Hello, Isabella, and welcome to the Tick Bootcamp Podcast. Thank you so much. We are really excited to have you. And uh, as we have shared with you offline, you're actually our first Brazilian Brazilian guest. We've actually interviewed a woman from Japan who actually was infected with Lyme from uh, a trip to Brazil. We have a uh, we have a, a, a local uh, American uh, who is of Brazilian descent who also was infected in Brazil. But you're the first Brazilian living in Brazil who also was infected in Brazil. Uh, you know the country that uh, at least has an official policy that there's no Lyme disease. Yeah, we do have this issue around here. So I'm really glad to be a Brazilian Brazilian talking about Lyme is really important. Thank you for this space. Well, thank you for joining us here. So so let's uh, first um, help our listeners with the pronunciation of your last name. You are, you know, Matt and I were excited to have one of our Italian sisters on. So let's, uh, let's begin with that. So uh, I don't butcher your last name because my Italian grandmother would be turning in her grave if I, if I mispronounced your name. It's Trubianelli. All right. So Isabella Trubianelli has joined yes. us here. And thank you for helping me with that. And so Isabella, um, let's let's first build out uh, where you're from. We did share with uh, the folks during this early part of our conversation that you're from Brazil. So what part of Brazil are you from? I am in the state of Sao Paulo. I think Sao Paulo is one of the big cities people know. But I, I am from Sao Paulo. I was born in Sao Paulo, but I live in Campinas, which is one hour away of Sao Paulo. It's already more inside of the country. I don't know how to say that. More centrally located. So is, yeah. is the place where you're currently living also a city or are you living more in a suburban or a, or a, or a more it's rural both. setting? We, we do have uh, rural green areas around here but it, it's also a big city so we do have both spaces we do have a lot of parks and we do have in my city specifically we do have a lot of capybaras which is the, my our main uh, animal that has ticks around here so they walk free through the city you can see them constantly so that's one of the biggest problems. So I'm sorry, what, what 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 is the name of the animal? Capybara. And what is a capybara? It looks like a huge beaver. It's a mammal. Uh, I don't know what else to, no, yeah, to so, so, say. So, so, so these so these these big beavers are walking all around the city and all yeah, over all over the world. They are in, in, in our parks, in our green areas, and they they carry a lot of ticks. Okay. So let's also build out who you are professionally. Uh, what, what do you currently do for work? And then let's talk about how you ultimately got to that place. I am a physical therapist. I work with Pilates and manual therapy in my physical therapy office. I have both. I, I have my own business today and we do have uh, Pilates studio and uh, manual therapy office. So I do use my hands and my body to work. That was an issue. <laughs> and uh, I I am now um, graduated for seven years. I'm still beginning of my professional journey. And to the point I got sick, I was barely starting my, my business. 
and I used to work for for other people for four years, and then I started my business, and it's a very active profession. Profession. So I, I used to be up twelve to fourteen hours a day. I I, I know uh, I know firsthand how active uh, a business um, a physical therapy business is. I, I have a daughter who's a doctor of physical therapy. And uh, it is a very, very rigorous business uh, to to perform the services that you that you all perform, uh, yeah. and and uh, I I know that had to be a challenge for you when you had gotten sick. But let's hit the pause button there and walk back a little bit. Talk about talk to us about your childhood and what it was like growing up. Where you were where you're growing up and what kinds of goals and dreams did you have during your childhood? You know, I always, I always knew I wanted to take care of people. I wanted to do something with healthcare, and and I, I wanted to be a doctor at first. And I was always active. Always, we used to travel a lot. I was a normal kid, having fun, <laughs> traveling with my family a lot. We, I came from a huge family. I have a lot of cousins. So we were always. Uh, in, in, I think I can say farm. I used to do a lot of activities in in green areas, in the in the outside, and really good student, really good at school, really always wanted to do everything right and doing well at school, and always thought about doing medicine, being a doctor, life had other plans for me. <laughs> so I ended up uh, being a physical therapist, which I absolutely love. And the thing that that made me fall in love is that I use my body to, to heal, basically, and not just a prescription. So I, I, I started to fall in love with that. I didn't know what physical therapy was until I was already in college. I entered and I was, okay, let's see what that is. I had no idea and I fell in love. And then I quit on being a doctor and started my physio journey. So you also you also completed your graduate studies in physical therapy as well. So both both your undergraduate and your graduate studies were done in physical therapy. And Here we, it's just one thing. Oh, okay. We, we, we get out of school of high school and we go to college to do what we are already set to do we, we don't have this in between that you have so when you end high school you you are already already apply to the profession you want to pursue so now talk to us about um talk to us about uh, when you first started to be symptomatic with uh Lyme disease and um, how that was impacting you first professionally. Okay, so it was December 2020. I had just recently started to go back to working in the office because, because of the pandemic. I was at home until October. And so I was two months in, back in, in the office and one day, uh, December 2020, I was, it was a Saturday, I was at home in this very place I'm talking to you right now. 
and I started to feel weird, a little bit of headache. I do have a history of migraine, so I thought it was that. And at some point, my right arms paralyzed, and then my face, my my speech was weird and. I did the test. If you put your both your arms up and one goes down, you're having a stroke. So I did this test. It nothing happened. So I was okay. It's not a stroke, but it looks like a stroke. What's happening? And I went to my mom, and my whole right side of my body froze. And we got really scared. She's like, "Wait, just a minute. Let let me think what to do." I sat with my my dad at his bad and it stopped it was like five minutes and then everything was normal just a little bit of headache in the back of my head pandemic we were really scared with covid we didn't want to go to the hospital and my mom look look it up and she read that it could be a really strong migraine and i do have a history of migraine so like okay i am really stressed the end of the year a lot of changes in our lives not for everyone so okay i would just rest everything will be fine and then five four or five days later i was at my office i was uh, in my pilates studio and then it happened again in my left side my left arm froze my left cheek froze and it was like okay something is wrong then i went to the yard ER and they did a um, CT scan of my brain, normal. Everything was normal. They they did some blood tests. They test me for COVID, normal. And then they they said it it could really be um a really strong migraine, and they said I should go to a neurologist for further investigation. It was the end of the year, so I only got an appointment. A month later, in 2021, January 2021, and in these 30 days, a lot of symptoms started to to appear. I started having uh, a lot of headaches, tingling, extreme fatigue, weakness, numbness, hand and feet tenderness, light and sound sensitivity, trouble focusing. I was really confused. Uh, and uh, muscle spasm started on my left forearm. It was like rotating constantly, 24 hours a day. It, it only stopped if I, if I was sleeping. The moment I woke up, it started the spasms instantly. So I, I told the neurologist all that stuff. I was still working at that point. I just had uh, the holiday break. And got back to work. I was alone because before the pandemic, we were in three uh, physical therapists at my my business. And I was alone because we had to let them go. And then I was alone taking care of all my patients. And the neurologist started her investigation. She she asked me to do a lot of exams. Uh, MRI and a lot of brain stuff. Everything was normal. To and then to the point. January was the first appointment. Uh, take the exams. Wait for the results. February second appointment. I was already with memory loss. Uh, I was exchanging words 
all the time, trouble finishing a line of thought. The what I know now is the brain fog, but I, I had no idea what was happening. Then she continued investigating everything normal, everything normal. And uh, I went to a rheumatologist too, did all the tests, everything normal. And the muscle spasms started to spread. It, it, it started on my right hand, then my feet, and it became more frequent and more strong. And then cut to March, 2021, I remembered that I was bit by a tick in October 2020. Almost, I was like uh, six months before that, that time, uh, I was bit by a tick and I made the link. I, I, I said, it's Lyme disease. I'm okay. sure it's Lyme disease. Let, let's, let's pause that for a second. So, um, when you were bitten by the tick in uh, the October prior to your symptoms, um, did you, uh, was that the first time you were bitten by a tick? And did you know anything about how to treat yourself after being bitten by a tick to try to prophylactically protect yourself from getting sick? No, I did. It, it was not my first bite because as a kid, I was in the farm a lot. I, I, I am sure I was bitten by a tick before, but it was horse tick. And, but this time, it was the first time I was like an adult and had a tick bite, but I didn't know exactly what to do. I, I'm not sure, but I think I put alcohol before I remove it. And I removed, I used tweezers, removed it, but I didn't, I didn't know what I know now. I just took it off <laughs> okay. and forgot about it. I just uh, watched the, the place of the bite, if it would get infected or something, but nothing happened. And I didn't felt fever or any flu-like symptoms, nothing happened. So I forgot about it. Now, were you, were you, were you looking for a particular type of rash? Were you waiting for the possibility of certain type of symptoms? Or are you just now remembering? I was waiting the fever. I was like, if I have fever, I, I need to maybe go to the doctor, but I didn't felt anything. So I, I really forgot about the tick. Okay. I only remember in March 2021, almost six months later. Okay. So Isabella, where was physically on your body, where was the tick when you found My it? left elbow. Okay. And and um how long do you believe that tick was on you? Meaning was 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 the tick uh did the tick look like it had been on you for a while because of the size of the tick or no, it's or... really, really, really tiny. Uh, I only had sure it was a tick after I removed it and zoom it in my picture because it was so tiny. My mom thought I was removing a mole. And I think it was around two days because it was the first week I got off my house to go to the office uh, during the pandemic. I was in my house constantly. And two days later, I was in the pool. And when I put my arms to the side of the pool i saw something on my elbow I was, what's that is it a mole is it a tick i wasn't sure and i removed it zoomed in to take a picture and i saw some legs so yeah it was a tick <laughs> okay so so you didn't take a, a picture of the tick while it was biting you you took a picture after you removed it both i took both. both okay 
So why did you take a picture? Just so that uh, because yeah, you tried to see if to, it was really a tick. <laughs> yeah. So you you wanted to see you wanted to be able to magnify it. So it really wasn't to to keep a record of having been. No, bitten. it wasn't. Okay. So now, what did you do with the tick? Did you just discard the tick, or did you save it? Yeah. No, I I I think I threw it in the toilet. Okay. So. Um, now you said that you had you had been suffering from migraines for a good portion of your life. Do mm -hmm. you think your migraines were may have in fact been a symptom of uh, you harboring the Lyme disease for an earlier portion of your life, and then this tick was something that was a reinfection that caused your body to lose the capacity to manage these microbes, or do you think that your illness? I never thought about it. But I don't think so, because at some point we found out I am allergic to artificial coloring in food. It was my main uh, reason to the migraines and uh, stress, psychological stuff. So when I started treating those things, my migraines got better. So I, I think I had a migraine as a first symptom because of Lyme and Lyme started there. I don't think it was something, uh, it was with me through my childhood. Okay. Let's talk about Lyme disease and what you knew about Lyme disease up until that time. Um, okay. Uh, A, were you generally aware of Lyme disease because of your pre-college education or any cultural information or any public information that was available to you during your childhood? No, the the only thing I knew about Lyme, it was the name of the disease because of Avril Lavigne and Justin Bieber. I followed Avril since forever. And I remember when she got back with music, she wrote Head Above Water about Lyme. And I was like, oh, my God, what, what she was going through, that must have been hard. And I was really impressed. And I had no idea it would happen to me, too. Um, but I only knew the name. I, I didn't even know it was tick related. But in 2020, during the pandemic, I watched Afflicted on Netflix. And they talk about three Lyme cases, I think. One that is already diagnosed and he's he trying to get better. And two other girls who had symptoms, they were trying to figure out what was happening. And by the end of the series, they both found, found out they had Lyme. So in this series, they talk about the tick bite, the name of the bacteria and how it's, the infection happened. So it was this was a little bit recent in my mind. So when I remember, when I was having symptoms and I remember the tick bite, I made the link. I, I knew it was Lyme and I wrote on my notes to ask the doctor if it could be Lyme. So it's a, more about because of the series that I learned a little bit and made me think of Lyme. Okay. So um, as, a, as a physical therapist, did you ever have any uh, educational materials provided to you about Lyme disease and how to treat people with Lyme disease? No. So the only information you had leading up to the time where your your spirit was telling you that you have Lyme disease. Um, the only information you had about Lyme disease was 
from musicians, Avra Levine and uh, Justin yeah. Bieber, um, yes. and from watching uh, one of the uh, afflicted uh, units. So it's largely from popular media that you had you had received that information. Yes. All right. So what was it about um, about the um, tick bite all these months later that caused you to believe that that was the reason you were suffering from all these symptoms? Because I, I didn't have any other option to look into. We, we made all kinds of tests and we, to that point, it was like, is it there stress or is something we don't know about? We, we were ready to to accept, okay, I'm stressed, so I'm having all these symptoms because I'm overwhelmed. And so thank God I remembered the tick because most people don't even remember being bitten by a tick. So it made sense. And I was like, I hope it is because there is an answer. I had no idea what the disease was. I had no idea was what was about to happen. And even in my first prescription, it was just 30 days of doxycycline. I was like, oh, my God, 30 days is a lot. I had no idea what's, right, well, what was waiting for me. I can tell you that the people who are listening to this podcast, uh, they had a shudder when they heard you say you were hoping it was Lyme, right? I, I, yeah. Was, right? Because I just needed an answer, you know? Yeah, well, that wasn't the answer I'm sure you wanted, but you didn't know you <laughs> wanted until you found yourself in the middle of a bad place, right? Yeah, exactly. So let's um, let's talk a little bit about um, the conversation you're now having with your neurologist about Lyme disease. So you said you were, you were treating with a rheumatologist and a neurologist at the time that you had... Uh, come to the conclusion that you might have Lyme disease. So who did yeah. you explore this with? One or both of those doctors? Neurologists. The rheumatologist, I, I just made all the tests for all the diseases and it was everything was negative. She I I I ended my my journey with her there. And so it was the neurologist who tested me for Lyme. And she said she was testing me for a lot of different infectious diseases that could give weird symptoms, according to her. And Lyme came back positive. Okay. And do you know what type of Lyme disease test your neurologist used to? At that point, it was ELISA. It was, I'm sorry? ELISA? ELISA. Okay. Now, Matt, Matt's going to talk to you a little bit more about, about your diagnostic journey, but I want to walk back to ask you a couple of other things to flesh out okay. uh, this process. Um when you first went to your neurologist and you raised the prospect of Lyme disease, what was the neurologist's reaction? Because we do know that there is an official policy um, in uh, Brazil that there is no Lyme disease in Br Brazil. So what was, your, what was your neurologist's response to your conversation about Lyme disease? She considered, she said, I, I, I asked, I said I was beaten by a tick. Six months ago, could it be Lyme? She said, it could be. I don't think it is, but it could be. Let's get you tested. And it came back positive. She is not her area. So she referred me to an infectologist to confirm the diagnosis. And then she said, it has no doubt it was Lyme. It's like super positive. 
So, and then she, okay, let's try to, I never treated someone with Lyme before. Let's see what we can do. But since the beginning, she, she was very humble. She was very clear that she, she didn't know how to treat it. She was, had to look for it. She was trying to study and she did her best. And, but I started with 30 days of dox, doxycycline uh, in a prescription from the infectologist. Okay. So let's, let's pause there for another second, Isabella. And let's, uh, let's again, walk back a little bit more. When you first thought that you might have Lyme disease, now you're, you're, you're a healthcare professional, you're, you're in the healing, you're in the healing arts. Um, what type of research did you do and how did that either help you or not help you when you were doing the research and finding out what you were finding out about this disease prior to your diagnosis? When I remember the tick bite, I just Googled Lyme disease and I started to read the, the list of symptoms. I was like, I have that, I have that, I have that, I have that. So yeah, it is Lyme. I didn't go any further. I don't think it's good <laughs> because Google has all kinds of stuff. So I stopped there just to see if my hypothesis it was valid. And it's like, okay, it really can be, it makes sense. And then I left with the doctors. Okay. Now, did you know anyone in your community who had Lyme disease and or did you reach out to any members of the Lyme community prior to getting your diagnosis? No. All right. So now um, you have this enlightened doctor uh, and, uh, and she's willing to explore Lyme disease with you. Um, talk to me about how this was. Give, let's build out in a little bit more detail before Matt takes you through the diagnosis how this was affecting you personally and professionally, meaning when you're going to all these doctors and you're taking all these tests and everything is coming back negative, you, you know, you, you, you didn't have any of the other things that you had, you, 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 they thought you might have. Um, how was your family reacting to you being sick, uh, but struggling to get a diagnosis? Was there anyone who, for example, was doubting whether or not you were sick physically and that maybe the, this was a psychosomatic illness? No one ever doubted me. They were worried, of course. I was worried. And we're just trying to find an answer. Everything that came back negative, we were relieved because the hypotheses were all scary. So it's like, okay, it's not a brain tumor. Okay, it's not aneurysm. Good, that's great. But what is it? So we were really struggling because we wanted answers. And to the point we were like, is it stress? Am I that stressed right now? What's going on? I don't think I'm I'm that stressed. I was stressed. Of course I was. I was trying to make my business survive the pandemic alone. I had to take care of my patients. So I was worried I might have to stop working at some point. I was feeling weaker and weaker and my body was failing me. I was like, how am I able to do my job if I can move? Because I use my body to work. I, I don't work in a chair sitting in a computer. I work moving my body and using my body to do something in the patient's body to treat their body. So I was really scared, but we were always trying to deal with what we really knew. So one step at a time. Okay, we know that. Let's deal with that. What we don't know, let's wait until it happens and my family always supported me 
to since day one they never doubted me my friends they never doubted me so I was really lucky in that as- aspect too my support system was always amazing so let's talk about your own head and your own thinking right because uh we know that uh Lyme disease is a multi-systemic infection right mm-hmm. it, it literally goes throughout your entire body and as a result of the as as a result of this polymicrobial infection going throughout your body, we generally have migrating symptoms. Today it's one side, tomorrow it's another side, the next day it's in our feet, the day after that it's in our hands, right? And again, it may not be days, but you know, over short periods of time, we have these migrating symptoms. And that's one of the reasons why so many patients, at least here in the US, are thought to be uh, suffering from a psychosomatic uh, illness because it's migrating and the complaints are changing each time they go to the doctor. So um, did you start to doubt yourself because you had so many migrating symptoms and doubt whether or not you were in fact dealing with an infectious disease, but maybe something else? I don't think so, because I I, I thought it, it could be stress. It could be something psychosomatic. Yes, I thought it could be, but Deep down, I knew something was really wrong since the beginning. Since since the day I went to the ER with the temporary paralysis, I was like, something is wrong. But when all tests was negative, 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 I was like, okay, am I like that stress is is really just emotional? And do I need to just rest, just work less? I was working 12 to 14 hours a day at that point in my life. So, okay, let's reorganize my life. I started buying candles, essential oils, things to relax and trying to get away for a weekend to travel a bit. I was really in a strict lockdown before. So I started to do that stuff and I was actually just feeling worse because because the disease was developing. So nothing helped. So... I knew it was not just that. It was something really wrong. If if I doubted, it was just for a minute. Okay. Talk to us about your emotions, right? Because we know that, um, that the hardware in our brain is our neurological system, something that you've studied and you've treated it, you know, professionally. And we know that our emotions are the software, right? And 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 the interaction between our hardware and our software is going is going to be important on this journey. So how were your emotions during this part of the journey? And and how were you dealing with the signals that your emotions were giving to you? I remember being scared all the time, being really, really worried all the time. Uh, I, I I did, I do therapy for more than 10 years now. So that helped me a lot. It was like going through every step of the way with my therapist and talking about my fears and how scared I was and what do I needed to change in my life, what it could be. And so I was navigating my emotions kind of okay. And I think at that point, I haven't yet accepted I was that sick. It took me a while to except I needed to stop working and stuff. So it was, I was three months into treatment when I stopped work, working. And my mom had to tell me, you need to stop working. 
So it took me a minute to accept. So at that point, I was like, I would take 30 days of antibiotic and everything will be fine. Okay, so Matt's going <laughs> to now take you through your through your diagnostic journey and probably clean up some of what I missed. Uh, Rich, you're killing me. I have so many questions written down already. I'm trying to be patient. <laughs> so, uh, so, so that Matt doesn't jump out of his seat. I'm going to let Matt now take you through the diagnostic journey that where, where you and I had left off, you had gone to the infectious disease doctor and you had gone from for some additional testing. Yeah. Isabella, I just have some questions about this part of your journey, right? Because there are a lot of things out there that we can anecdotally make observations about. What I mean is Rich and I have interviewed almost, oh my goodness, 400 people at this point, And we've spoken to thousands of people in the chronic Lyme community. And there's a lot of commonalities that we're seeing. So for example, one extreme case is somebody we really love and admire, Gina Vales, who runs this gym and is constantly running these training classes. She would overexercise and she'd constantly have a declining health. Then she finally got a diagnosis. She'd do better. She'd overexercise. She'd have stress being a business owner and she'd have health issues. So I think, you know, we generally think about exercising and being, you know, somebody who's go, 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 a physical therapist, moving, moving your body. Well, you must be pretty healthy, but do you think that maybe you were overdoing it? And because of that, you compromised your body and made yourself more susceptible to develop these neurological and systemic Lyme symptoms within a short period of time? Yes. Yeah, I mean, at the time, as a physical therapist, did you know that was such a thing or did that revelation come later on once you got a diagnosis? As I started my treatment, I since the beginning, I knew I had to go through it because I need to learn something. And the main thing I learned is that I was, all, all my life focus was to my work, not myself. Yep. So now... I focus on myself. I love my work. I do work. Thank God I got back to work. But uh, I live for myself. I don't live for my work. And I was going through a not a healthy path there. So I, something needed to change and had to be something really impactful for me to change because I wasn't seeing it. I was like, I need to work. I need to make it happen. Go, 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 go. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think the stress of being a small business owner as well, right? You were running your yeah. own business. You were working long hours. You were physically overexerting yourself. And, you know, in our society, and I think in Brazil as well, that's not looked at as being an unhealthy pattern or behavior, correct? Correct. And I, I remember that uh, I used to work 12, 12 to 14 hours during the week. And on the weekends, I didn't want to go out at all. I just wanted to rest because I was exhausted so I had no social life and when I go out it was like I had to force myself to go out because all my energy was going to work so I wasn't really leaving you know now I can see that now I am leaving and I couldn't see that and I was like this is the time to do it I'm young I'm starting my business this is the time to put all my energy all my time in my business, but it didn't have to go that extremely. And now I know that. <laughs> it's almost like they're warning signs, right? Like it's the yeah. smoke signal saying, hey, something's going on in your body and you don't listen, you don't listen, you don't listen. Then boom, yeah. you get a tick bite, you get Lyme, the infection spreads and your body's like, yep, this is what, this is the straw that broke the camel's back and here we are, right? That's kind of what yeah. I, and not that it's your fault, right? I don't want to come across as being judgmental because I did the same thing. I had a very bad work-life balance 
And I had a very bad relationship with exercise because if I had emotions or stress, I would just go for a really long run thinking, oh, it's healthy to get be in my outlet, right? So there's got to be balance there. And again, it's not that this is your fault. It's that this teaches us how to live a healthier lifestyle to make us less susceptible to an illness from a real infection like Lyme disease and probably many other things from a tick bite or whatever else is going on in your body. So you talked about a few other things. You were in therapy, you said, for about 10 years. So were you in therapy prior to getting bit by the tick and prior to getting sick? Yeah, I I, will, I started therapy when I was ending high school. Here we have like would be SATs, I think, for you. And it's really stressful. You need to decide the career of your life when you're 17. And I started having anxiety issues. And I treated anxiety for the first year of college. And I didn't stop therapy since then. So it was 2012, 11, 2011. And again, I, I, if you said this to me, you know, when I first got sick, I'd be so mad at somebody saying what I'm about to say. But I think a lot of the techniques that you learn in therapy help you better manage your emotional response to being sick, 100%. right? So again, not that you're at fault, not that you did anything wrong, but it helps you emotionally better deal with the physical part of the illness, right? Yeah. Can you give us some examples of that? Like what did you learn in therapy before getting sick that helped you better manage your emotions and better manage this wave of illness that came over your life when you got sick? Well, that's a hard question. <laughs> Um, I, in therapy, I start, I started to learn how to manage my anxiety. So I started to talk to my body, if you can say so, and recognize signs. So, uh, I had anxiety symptoms back in the day. So my hands are sweating and my shaking and my cold in a hot day. I said, okay, something's happening. So we're all, always looking at your body, talking to your body and knowing something was wrong. So that's, I think, why I knew something was wrong. And it was not just stress, just uh, psychosomatic stuff. I, I, I knew I wasn't that person because I was in a constant connection with my body. But I, I need to say that I was not that connected at that time, I, I was bit by, by the tick because if I go back, my first symptom, I don't think it was the paralysis. I think I was already having trouble with my balance and I had this pain in my feet, but it was like, okay, I'm working 14 hours standing. Of course, I have pain in my feet. That's normal, but it wasn't. And I think it was already Lyme. But that just clicked for me later on my journey. So I was not that connected. And I think that's why I needed to feel something really extreme to go, okay, you need to go to the yard. Something is wrong. Go look into it. Yeah, I can tell you, you were a billion times more connected with your body when you got diagnosed than I was with mine. So although you said you had to make some more progress, I think the exercises and the therapy techniques that you went through to help you, you know, going through your SATs and going to getting out of high school helped you be able to better read your body, right? Because what you yeah. were describing, most people don't have those skills that you learned in therapy to help you, I, I believe, get a quicker diagnosis than most, right? Because six months is a short period compared to some other stories where people are sick for decades yeah. or for many years. So again, not to diminish your journey, you know, but that's, that's a shorter period of time than the average that we've experienced sure. on this podcast. I think that's largely in part due to 
how much you are connected to your body and being able to interpret your body signals, right? Yeah, so I agree. You also made a really important couple of comments that I want to just kind of glue together. You said that, you know, I looked at it being psychosomatic. This is before you got diagnosed, right? You said, uh, maybe, maybe it was psychosomatic. So I would do like, you know, different things to be stress relieving at home. But, you know, uh, obviously there was something else going on as well. But you said it wasn't just that. It wasn't just psychosomatic. And I think that's an important note because with Lyme disease and probably most illnesses, it's going to be the physical and the emotional or the, the the psychological and the physical. So you didn't just say it's only physical. You said it's not just that, meaning it's both, right? Is it, did I hear you correctly there? Yeah. So can you help me understand the two, the two groupings, right? The physical piece is you're infected. You have some sort of pathogen or probably in this case, probably several pathogens making you sick that you have to treat and work with your body on to address. The other part is the emotional side and, and your emotional response to the illness. Can you help us delineate those two and how they work together and create illness in the body? When like, I would use an example, flu season. It's flu season, everybody gets sick, but some people don't. So when our emotions are all over the place, our immune system suffers and we're more susceptible to get the flu or whatever. And I think at that point, I was really stressed. So I was more susceptible to get infected by that tick that bit me. Maybe if I was in a better place mentally, I wouldn't be infected there. I wouldn't feel anything there. I would feel like some people say, and we know stories like that. I was beaten when I was young, but my first symptom happened years later when I had uh, immune system. I don't know how to say it. Yeah, like a weakening event. We right? say going down. <laughs> <laughs> an, an immune compromising event. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. So uh, it's not just physical. It's not just the infections. Like why I was infected. I my body was like super stressed, super fragile, fragile, more susceptible. So it happened really fast for me. Maybe if I was like relaxed, it was not pandemic or whatever, I wouldn't feel anything. People get beat. Of course, the tick has to be infected. But part of me thinks that maybe if the tick is infected, if it didn't find a, a body that is susceptible, maybe that body won't get infected. Point or case. it won't get infected at that point. It will only get infected later on. Yeah, like we all know Rich is a tick magnet. I don't know if you've listened to other episodes, Isabella, but Rich is a tick magnet. He gets bit probably a dozen times at least every summer. And he's never been symptomatic or tested positive for Lyme. But I think we probably know he has Lyme in his body, but he's just managing it, right? So yeah. why is Rich never symptomatic, whereas you and I were, right? And I think we, you know, we're, we're diving into some of these reasons. And I think the same analogy can be applied to your profession, right? In physical therapy, the emotional state com you know, combined with yeah. the physical state results in the outcome. Meaning if I have pain, but I'm also stressed and anxious and afraid, maybe because of the pandemic or I'm afraid of the unknown, that that emotional state creates hormones, which create inflammation, right? Or if I physically tense up because I'm stressed and that physical tensing action or the chemical release of hormones is going to make my symptoms worse and it's yeah. going to make me need physical labor even more, right? So they kind of work hand in exactly. hand, I think is what I'm saying. Yes, yes. So I'm also curious, 
what is the health insurance situation like in Brazil? Because here in the States, you know, we oftentimes have a hard time getting coverage, especially for a Lyme litter doctor. Almost none of them take take health insurance here in the States. Are you a private or a, you know, a, a government run healthcare system there? And how hard is it to get to get medical care when you're sick? We have three situations here. We have private. My Lyme specialist today is private. We have, uh, I think I can use insurance companies that uh, not all people here can afford it, but it's better if you do, if you can, it's better because there are better doctors and less waiting. And we do have uh, what translating it would be unique health system that works in the whole country. That is the government and it's free, but you don't only always get the best doctors uh, and the lines are huge. For my Lyme journey, I used all of them. Hmm. So at that point where we, we talked about it already, it was insurance. All my appointments, the ER, the, all the tests, all covered by the insurance, which I pay monthly to have the, the right to use my insurance. So I don't have huge health bills like I know you have there. I don't have to pay for the a huge amount for an MRI, for going to the ER, for going to an appointment. It's inside this month monthly it's almost like a subscription. In today's world, everything is a subscription, right? You pay and you get a service. And when you stop paying, you no longer get the service, right? But yeah. it sounds like there's, so there's really three groupings. The first one is you can get probably the least effective or the, the worst grouping, which is you get basic level health insurance through the government, but the, the wait is long, the care is not as good, or you can pay a monthly fee to a company to get covered with a copay yeah. where you go and you're not going to pay a ton of money because you're paying, a you know, you pay each month for that service. And then the third option is totally private, out of pocket. You pay for the entire thing and there's no yeah. insurance involved, correct? Yeah, correct. Okay. So when you first got sick, you were able to get into a doctor quickly because you went through your insurance that you paid yeah. for for that monthly subscription and not the government insurance, correct? Yeah, correct. Okay. So you went to your doctor. You had to think of Lyme disease. And then your doctor was like, eh, probably not, but I'll test you. And you tested positive, right? That's kind of where we left off with the rich, I believe, right? Yeah. Okay. So she wasn't very well versed, it sounds like, in Lyme. Did she try to treat you or did she refer you out to a specialist? You know, she what did tried. You we didn't know any specialists at the time. She tried. And she she referred me to infectologist to confirm the diagnosis. The this doctor gave me my first prescri prescription, uh, 30 days of doxycycline. And of course, I got worse but we didn't know anything about herxing and all. So the neurologist was like, that's not okay. It's not good enough. So let me see what I can do. Then she kept the doxy and added uh, IV antibiotics, the neurologist. So after 30 days, you switched over? Yeah, after 30 days of doxy, I kept the doxy for another 30 days and added the IV. Gotcha. So then the second month for the, the, yeah. the second 30 days, you were on doxycycline and IV antibiotics. Yeah. Did you stop both at the same time at the end of the, the second 30 days after 60 days? 
No, because I wasn't getting any better. So I stopped only the IV and she said, keep the doxy because we need to think for a minute, what can we do? Because I don't know this disease. I will try to talk with some colleagues. I'm searching articles. I'm trying to to see what I can do. The, the IV antibiotic she saw in an article. So she was trying, she was doing her best. At that point, uh, I was in my third month of treatment and I was stuck. I wasn't getting much worse by that point, but I was I wasn't getting any better. And I I decided I needed to do something. So when I first got diagnosed, my uncle looked for a Lyme specialist and he found uh, on Instagram a, a doctor in Sao Paulo and since he was in Sao Paulo, at first we thought it wasn't like, okay, we, we don't really need to go there. We're, I am taking antibiotic. I will get better. But when he got stuck, uh, I I said I need to, to see him. At the same time, he was promoting a live stream on Instagram. So I decided to watch before deciding to go see him. And I I was impressed. I was like, okay, he knows how to deal with Lyme. I need to see him, but I was too sick to go. Sao Paulo is near me, but I was too sick to get out of my house. So I DM'd him on Instagram and asked if he would do uh, an online appointment. And he said, yes. Mm -hmm. So I never met him in person until today. So I scheduled an appointment. It, it was June. So for, I was already four months into my treatment. And I talked about my Lyme journey to that point. At that point, I was already having muscle spasms all over my body. It started with the left arm, then right arm, feet, legs. I was having trouble walking. I wasn't working anymore. And he said, your treatment, it's not wrong, but it's incomplete. So let's change everything up. And then he put me, he, he took me out of the doxy and he started he he rotates antibiotics and he, he does cycles i have my notes here because a lot of information <laughs> so my first cycle with him was 45 days with three different antibiotics and then i got really 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 worse before i got better and then he explained me about herxing. He talked to me about detoxing. And then I was really entering the Lyme world and understanding, okay, this is not as simple as I thought. This is really difficult, really complex, really hard. But okay, he's the one that knows how to deal with it. So let's go. And then after 40 days, he changed all my medications and put me on two other antibiotics and and antifungal. And then I started to get better in September. I started to, to get better. Then, so oh. that's 90 days. Yeah. Then he, he after this part, he, he said even since I was diagnosed in six months, he said, I am not sure you have chronic Lyme, but I prefer to treat you for chronic Lyme if you have acute, then treat you for acute if you have chronic. So 
I got so much better that he, he, he said, maybe it's not chronic, but let's keep going as chronic because I won't risk it. Now I know I have chronic because I, I was in remission and I flared up and I, I know I have this for my life. But then he does the thing he calls um, he, immunomodulation, maintenance phase. So it's six months of two antibiotics, one antifungal, one vermifuge, and one of the antibiotics is a shot, a penicillin shot, and then uh, rotate. So 15 days of antibiotics, one week of antifungal, one week of vermifuge, then two weeks rest. And what's, go ver what's vermifuge? How do I explain this? Is that the name of the drug? No, it's the... The, the Google translator told me it's vermifuge, but it's like to when you have germs. Oh, and it, I just I, I Googled it. Yep, they're par parasites. So an Parasite. agent that destroys or expels parasitic worms, parasites. Yes. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. So then he does that rotation system for six months. And then I went into remission in May 2022. But I was not completely free of symptoms. I was experiencing uh, the sound sensitivity. I had spasms eventually. And he said, we don't know yet if, if you will have this or when we, we put you out of the medication, if your body will start to recover even more. And it did. I got even better after a few months with no antibiotics. And I was in remission for four months and I flared up because I was trying to get back to work and I was really, really scared and I got really anxious. So then the emotions making my body get sick again because I didn't know what kind of physical therapist I would be able to be. My body was still weak. I was bed bound for months. I was in my re rehabilitation, but I was not strong enough. And I needed to go back to work because I needed money. I needed to live. And I was really, really struggling with the coming back to work. I say that I am still going back to work. It's a really long process. And it started with a few hours a week. And this fear, this anxiety made me flare up. And I got back on treatment in September 2022 with only a penicillin shot at that point. Because I was not that bad. He said, let's try to just see if the shot makes you feel a little bit better. And it did. But then in December, I got COVID. Hold on right there. So I want to, before we talk about COVID, I want to, I have so many questions. Okay. So... Well, you know, I'm going to kind of go back, right? You were, you got sick in December of 2020. You kind of started your treatment in, in early of 2021. You did your th about four months with your primary care doctor. And then you found this specialist, you know, I'd say probably it sounds like mid 2021, right? Yeah. So at, at what point did you stop working? That was early 2021, right? right before I the stopped specialist? working in March, uh, end of March, beginning of April of 2021. Okay. When I when I got into the IV, it was April. When I started the IV antibiotic, I stopped working. 
did you shut down your business or did somebody else take it over? No, I found this angel in my life, another physical therapist. She's with me until today. And she started taking care of all my patients. And I stayed home managing the business and helping her with some small stuff. But she she started working my 12 to 14 hours. All right. So, so I was, okay, let's take recovered. some time to take care of my health. And my business is safe. <laughs> How did this impact? So at this point, nobody in your family, so you're you're living with your parents, right? Your parents are kind of helping yeah. take care of you at this point. Yeah. They still knew this was real. So after the treatment failed with your primary doctor, when you started up treatment with your Lyme specialist, they all knew it was still Lyme and real, but they were just, they were just worried because it wasn't getting better, right? Is that where yeah. you were at with your family? Yeah, we were. I I was at that point when I had to stop working. I was like, how long will it be? Because at first I thought it would be just 30 days. And at that point, I was really scared. I was never going to be able to work again because my body was failing me constantly. I, I needed help to shower. I needed help to we do have a lot of stairs in my house. I needed help going downstairs to eat. I needed help uh, brushing my hair. I needed help cutting the steak. I needed help to do everything. I, I was completely dependent on my parents. It was like how a body who's completely dependent on, on others can take care of my patients. How am I doing this? At that point, I was like, Okay, maybe I will have to change careers. I will have to or just stay home and manage the business from home and put someone there like I was doing at that point. And I started questioning a lot. What would happen with my life? Would it be like this forever? How long will it be? Will I feel better one day? Now that it's gone, I feel like it was kind of quick considering everything but at that point I was like this is forever this is my life now and my parents were really worried because I was really independent I used to travel alone I used to do everything alone and now I was bed bound and needing help to do everything I think an important message there though Isabella is in the moment you thought this was going to last forever you thought you'd never get better and if you have that thought, it makes you much less likely to try to fight it to get better. But yet you still did. And I think this is just a message of hope for our listeners that don't give up. Keep trying new things. Find new doctors. There's a lot of alternative you know, ways to treat, whether it's antibiotics, alternatives, you know, et cetera. So that, that I think is important in this takeaway message you just described. But then the follow-up question to that is, if you were questioning whether you'd ever get better and you really thought maybe this is my life, what motivated you to keep fighting if you had doubt that you'd ever get better? God. <laughs> God. Because I, at some point, I, I never told anyone that, but I thought I was going to die. At some point in the, my lowest days, I thought, okay, I think this is the end for me. And if it is, it's okay. I, I made peace with it. Let's just enjoy every second of what I have. So even really sick, I was like, Let's see the sunset because I do have the privilege to see the sunset from my house. So my dad was constantly, come see the sunset. Let me help you. Enjoy the food you can eat because I was doing a strict diet. 
but what I could eat, let's enjoy it. The juice, the the vegetables, whatever. Let's enjoy the the thing you can watch on the TV. Let's enjoy the 20 minutes you can sit in the computer to manage your business because it was 20 minutes max I could be standing in this chair. Max. And then I need to lay down and I was like trouble breathing, exhausted. So when you face death, it changes something inside you and it makes you want to fight with all you have. So some days I was crying to sleep and asking God, please, I, I can't take this anymore. Help me have some strength to keep fighting. I want to keep fighting. And always I woke up in the next day feeling better. So it was like, hey, rest for a bit. It's not over yet, but you have today. Rest. Today is going to be easier so you can recharge and fight again tomorrow. So it was God. Yeah. So faith, prayer, and God helped you yeah. persevere, give you the motivation to keep fighting, to get through this. And I think that's important, right? Because a lot of people just don't think they can get better. And, you know, we love these stories where we can show, hey, look, you were bed bound. Your family was helping you shower. They were helping you up the stairs. They were feeding you, right? I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't get out of bed and you got through it, but it didn't seem like you could. So in addition to that, so I'm still focusing on the 2021 period when you're kind of transitioning from the regular doctor to your Lyme doctor, starting up your treatment, you got worse at first and you pivoted and went to the, the antifungals with the antibiotics and you felt a little bit better there. What was it like Did you with, a, with your friends? Did you, were you in a relationship? Did you have a boyfriend? How were your personal relationships besides your parents impacted during this time? I was single at the time and I think that was good because it would be a lot to deal with. My friends were amazing since day one and she they, they were always, we have WhatsApp groups and they were constantly asking about, uh, I could vent with them whatever uh, I needed and they surprised me, they sent me flowers, they made surprise visits and they when they were together, we did video calls so I could kind of be with them. I missed a lot of birthdays, a lot of a lot of stuff but they always made me feel like I could be with them somehow. Distance was not a thing for us. And I think it, it, it strengthened our relationship even more. So they, they helped me a lot. I knew I could cry to them. I could, I could curse. I could, I could do whatever I needed. They were there for me since day one in my family too. So around mid-2021 to mid-2022, you were with your Lyme specials, right? So you were treating for about yeah. a year, it sounds like. And then yeah. at the end of that year, you were doing much better. And you thought some symptoms, you said, but that's when you decided, I'm going to go and start figuring out how to get back to work and getting back to my life, right? So now we're talking about yeah. May of 2022. So of course, that added stress, the added, you know, movement, and you got you started to get a little setback. So you went on more, a little more treatment and to counter that. What were you doing as far as your business was concerned? Were you kind of going back to with with this partner who's been helping you run it? Were you going off to do something else? You know, where were you going in your career at that point? And what were you trying to do in the workplace? I wanted to go back to, to my studio. Um, I started with the Pilates because Pilates, I can give a Pilates lesson class with just verbal. Uh, I don't need to show the exercise if I don't want to. And I studied to to 
give a good class just with my voice. But I knew I needed to train uh, my brain because I, I was away for almost two years total. At that point I, that I started to go back, I was away for a year and a half. And I, I needed to be there to retrain my brain to think like a phys physical therapist think. So I made an arrangement with the physio that was there taking care of my patients. First, I decided which, um, which times, which schedule I wanted to, to get for myself and she would continue with the rest. And so I decided to try two times a week. So I went there and I was sitting and watching her work and I started thinking I would do that. This is the, and retraining my brain to get back to work. I was like in this just observing state for around three months, I think, two to three months. Then I started to give the lessons with her observing. So if I needed any help, she she was there, and the patient was not without care. If I need to go away, if I need any help, she was there. For another month or so and then I started giving one lesson with what in the Pilates you can take care of more than one patient at once in my studio we, we do since the pandemic we do two per hour but I started with the the hours that had only one so I could focus on this one and she was there and then when I was feeling more prepared I started to tell her you don't need to come today I can I can do it by myself so it was really slow and I planned a lot and now I am working uh, two times a week with I have three classes one next to the other with two or even three patients at the same time and now I am starting to get back to the physio treatment which is manual therapy and but I do only one patient at the, that day I used to to do five six one next to the other now I do one and I need to rest my arms my hands to stretch to to I can do much but one year ago I couldn't do even that so that's good. <laughs> yeah. And, but it sounds like what you're saying here is even when you went back to work going very small and very little and gradual, you still had a little bit of a setback. So you worked with your doctor to get the proper treatment to counter that. And you kept going little by little by little, working with your doctor and pushing yourself in a way that wasn't causing you to crash and go all the way backwards. Right. Yeah. And over the course of a couple of months, you went from observing to teaching one person to teaching several people, teaching a couple of people back to back and then teaching, you know, more than one person at a time. So you were really you were really gradually building up. But yeah. then that led us into about what, December of last year, 2022. And then that's when COVID hit. Right. Yeah, uh, I was because of the fear of getting back to work. I was getting back. Everything was fine. But in my mind, it was like, can I be a good physical therapist having Lyme will I will I be able to do a good job because I, my reference was before Lyme I was working 14 hours I was like go 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 and I didn't want to get back to that 
but who is this person that now has a disease has some a little bit of limitations how am i i i had to reinvent my my practice and it's working good but at that time i was really really scared i wasn't going to do a good job so i i flared up a bit in september 1st but i i didn't have to stop working i kept going but i was with the antibiotics shots but when i got covid in december it, it was really messy the the spasms came back really hard and then the doctor said okay heavy treatment again as quickly as possible i got back to treatment on christmas did you stop working when you got covid i mean obviously no. for the you did not okay i i took one week off to reorganize myself and it was almost the holiday break i i take two weeks so total it was three weeks and then january i was back and i stopped the physical uh ter the manual therapy i stopped because my arms were really really weak but the pilates i kept because i think it would be good for my emotions to not have to stop working again and i was not that sick I, I i was doing a good job and all my patients knew what was going on so some days i needed to sit a little bit during the class they knew what was going on so i was like give me a break here let's go a little bit slow and i kept working and i got into the rotating antibiotics once again for 90 days and then in April 2023, I got in remission again, and I am in remission since then. All right. So a really powerful observation, I think, that you just, you know, or to summarize what you just described, you were bedbound in early 2021. You were having your mom help you shower because you couldn't physically bathe yourself. Then you're fast forward at the end of 2022, you're back at work. You're not full force, but you're back working. You're doing, I mean night and day difference you're like you know getting back into your life and you get covid and i can tell you you can probably relate from my standpoint the biggest fear is as we get better what happens if i get sick again what happens mm -hmm. if i get covid what happens and that fear becomes it can become really toxic right it can it can yeah. really drain us and drain our, drain us physically and emotionally but you just described it perfectly that a lot of these fears are irrational you were infected with covid it flared up the Lyme and all your Lyme symptoms came back, which is really, really scary. It's traumatic after what you've gone through. But you went back to your doctor, you had your, your toolkit, you had your treatment, you had your doctor, you had everything you've learned from the past two years. And you were back at work after one week of being out. And you had to gradually go back at it. But I mean, that's a powerful transformation where you were bed bound, being bathed by your, by your mom to saying, I got COVID, all my symptoms came back. And a week later, I was back at work, right? That shows how how much you rebuilt your body and how resilient you became because of everything you did, right? And I think that's a really important takeaway because so many of us, as we get better, fear going backwards and fear yeah. getting, you know, the cold, the flu, another tick bite. But but if we if we continue to become more resilient and we continue to have our healthy lifestyle and all of these doctors and tools and things we've learned under under our belt, right? We won't get as bad as we were before. And I think that's a powerful message. What, what are your thoughts on that? Exactly. That was my biggest fear. It still is. Of course, I, I, I still have this fear. I think I will always have this fear to be that sick again. But when I got in remission the first time, I asked my doctor, when it came back, it will be that bad. 
again? Do I need to worry to be away from work another year? And he said, it's never that bad because you already know the tools, you already know the symptoms. So we start the treatment. As soon as you tell me I'm feeling this, we, we start treating. So it's not, it's, it's, it's not supposed to be that bad again. So that was good for me because I, I the first spasm I got when I when he, he treated my COVID. So uh, he already knew I was a little bit flared up with only the shots. When I got COVID, I said spasms, fatigue. He said, treat me, go, just go. And I never stopped detoxing, even in remission, even today. I never stopped exercising and I I I don't over exercise, I don't overwork. So this balance I will take for my life. And this thing we talked about being connected with your body. So the little bit of sign is mm, I think something's wrong. And I have the this relationship with him. I can email him, even text him. This is happening. Should I do something? And let's get back to treatment or let's wait a bit and see. So he's always there for me to the long run. And he started the treatment as soon as I got a little bit worse. So it was way easier. It's it's hard. The amount of antibiotics, it's hard. It's really, really, really hard on your body. I was like working, but I was like really tired. I, I needed to rest so I could live. So it was not easy. It's not like, okay, I got back to my medication and everything was fine. No, it, it was really, really hard, but it was way more quicker, way quicker than, than the first time. The first time I, I, it took me 13 months to get, get into remission. And this time was 90 days. And what? you start, you get back to diet, you get back to have your detoxing so you know how to deal with the disease so it's way easier isabel i just want to ask a couple more detailed questions so you mentioned detox a couple of times you mentioned the antibiotics and the effect they had on you so can you give us a little more detail what you were doing to detox while you were treating and also what were you doing to counter the effects of the antibiotics your gut health is impacted by antibiotics so what were you doing to to address the effects of the antibiotics and what were you doing to detox to help your body rid the die off of these pathogens as you were killing the, you know, with the antibiotics and the, the bolstering of your immune system. Before I I got into the Lyme specialist, when I when I was in the IV antibiotics, so it was the second month of treatment. Of course, I was already feeling that my body was suffering from all the medication, and I my therapist referred me to a nutritionist. She was amazing because she made my body strong enough to take the treatment. So she she was the one who told me about the uh, the anti-inflammatory diet, the free processed sugar, no gluten, no dairy. And she, she uh, told me about a lot of different kinds of teas and juice and a lot of kind of weird stuff. I had to take some of them not good, but I went all in 
and I did everything she told me to do. And it was like the best choice I made. My liver was suffering. My tests were altered and she treated my liver with green juice. Isabel, this is, this, we, you know, we've developed a, a four-step process that we see in successful Lyme healing journeys. And I think you're outlining it. You may have heard it on other podcast episodes. So we, it's, it's, we call it PARM. It's prehab, assist, mate, uh, I'm sorry, prehab, assist, recovery, and maintenance. So the prehab is what you're describing. You had to get, you said you had to get yourself ready for the treatment, which was the diet, the juicing, the detox, right? All that stuff, addressing your liver and letting everything, you know, helping everything move better before you start your treatment. And then the treatment is really the assist, assist your immune system in killing the pathogens in your body, which was the antibiotics, mm -hmm. the cycling, the, the antifungals, right? That's, that's the whole assist piece. You also mentioned, you know, about 20 minutes ago, the part of it where you had the, you, you even used the word maintenance, where when you had a little bit of a flare up, you had to increase your maintenance, which was, you know, a tool to kind of keep you maintaining uh, your health, right? And that's the, the, the final step, but the rehab I think is important too. And you touched on that. Uh, and the rehab is really, you have to rebuild your body. So it's, you know, it's yeah. the prehab, the assist your, your immune system and killing everything. It's the rehab after your body's been, you know, really beaten up. You got to help you rebuild your body and then maintenance. When you're starting to get back into things, you have to maintain that level of health. So you don't go backwards. Like you described, right? That's mm -hmm. the whole piece of, I was better within a week and back at work within 90 days, I was back in remission. Right? So what are your thoughts on that, that general outline of a Lyme healing journey being a good model for people to follow and having those four kind of groupings of a chronological phase of recovering from Lyme disease. If you think about it, what we do to treat Lyme, apart from the antibiotics, is what everyone should do to take care of their bodies. Exercising, take care of your mental health, uh, your spiritual health, so balancing work and social life. So this is what life should be. And I think that's the the thing I learned the most. I was not leaving. I was working. Now I'm leaving. So I have my work. I have my friends. I do have a boyfriend now. I have my family. I have a, a lot of stuff I want to do. And my energy is in all of those stuff. And I am taking care of my body. So I am healthy to do all the things I want to do. And being healthy, that's really nice to, to put out. Being healthy, it's not the absence of illness. It's, you can be healthy despite the illness. I am healthier now than I was ever in my life. Because I balanced all the parts of my life i have energy for all of them i have time for myself i have time for the people i love i have time to have fun i have time to work and so uh, apart from lyme it's not just for the lyme community this is for everyone and we do hear hear about that but we don't actually do it until we have to so Isabella, my final question before Rich picks up is a lot of people listening are thinking, wow, if I'm in if I'm in Brazil or close to where your doctor was, I want to know who you treat it with. And I I don't I think you said, you, you know, because of obvious reasons and because a lot of people go after these Lyme later doctors, you don't want to share publicly this doctor's name. But if people are listening to this podcast, can they reach out to you on social media, DM you privately to ask, hey, who's yes, your doctor? Of course, I really they need can. help. OK. Yes, they can. OK, thank you. And, and uh, I just want to say again that. 
your you, you've been a huge inspiration to Rich and I, and we've learned a lot from you. So I just want to thank you for that because although you, you are in Brazil, a lot of what you shared can be helpful to so many people across the world. And I think it's so powerful to connect with people all over to see the commonalities and what we can learn from each other. So I just thank you for that. Thank you so much. So, so my Italian sister, I do want to ask you about uh, our our framework in a little bit more detail, right? Because Matt and I call that our Parmesan um, framework. And I'm just wondering, you know, in Brazil, do you folks eat chicken and veal Parmesan? And uh, how do you feel about having a uh, a healing framework named after some of the foods that are a part of our culture? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're fine with that. <laughs> So talk to us about how this has been transformational for you, not just um, not just in the way that you bring balance to your life, not just in the way that you um, are uh, bringing balance to your work life and, and, and the way that you're working, but talk to us how this has been transformational for you, both emotionally and spiritually. It, it changed everything. Because I value my life much more. I value the people I love. I value my work. I value everything. Because when you lose those things, I value my body. I, I value walking, running, showering without help, showering, standing. Because I needed to, to sit down to, to shower. So these tiny little things we take for granted... I don't take for granted anymore and I enjoy life more. I enjoy what I eat. I enjoy working. I enjoy waking up in the morning, even if the weather is bad, even if it's cold. I do complain about the weather. Of course I do, but I enjoy being alive. And it, I was already on my spiritual journey before Lyme. And I think that helped me get through my Lyme journey, but it intensified it even more. So I think somehow I would go to, I would get to that place I am now mentally, physically, and spiritually, but Lyme accelerated that, that process for me. So I am happier. I am more grateful. I am more patient with myself and with others. Things that used to really get on my nerves and I was Oh, that's a huge problem I need to deal with. Why this is happening to me? Now it's just a situation I need to, to handle. And I solved. I'm more, I'm more practical. And it, it takes more to really, I think, oh, that's a really big problem. So it changed everything. And I mean, some people might get angry at me for saying that, but I am grateful that I had this experience that I had my Lyme journey because it turns it changes everything I'm such a better person now I I I I treat others better I treat myself better I value the things that we really need to value so if I could go back I would choose to go through all of that all over again so Isabel, one of, the, one of the things that you are right to identify is that there are some people who are early on in their journey who are suffering, who are going to find what you said to be triggering. Uh, but the truth is, every single person we've interviewed, and Matt has shared with you, it's almost 400 people, have said almost exactly the same thing that you have said, that if they had to do it again, they would do it again. They wouldn't give it back. 
almost everyone has said that. And I think that's a really important part of this, right? And I really like the way you've identified so many of the different elements of what has been beautiful about this journey, right? Because you, you, you are using the term grateful in a lot of different ways, right? And one of the things we know is that you can't be grateful and suffer at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. Because you took so many little things for granted, you were, in many cases, suffering. Uh, emotionally suffering as a result of not seeing what was there for you to be grateful about. And I, I remember the first time uh, I, I, I truly understood this, and this was early on in our podcasting journey, one of the people we interviewed had said she was unbelievably grateful about being able to go into her car and drive, that she hadn't mm -hmm. driven for a long time. And just get, having a car and driving in her car was something that was, that was you know, that, that had created gratitude for her. And I thought about that myself, that I had had a car for all the years of my life, and I wasn't grateful about having a mode of transportation. And from that moment forward, I became grateful every time I got into my car, but I didn't have that before, right? You also talked about appreciation and all of the people around you who were doing things for you that you didn't earn, that you didn't deserve, but you had made available to you and your life was better as a result of that. And when we're appreciative, we also can't suffer, right? So what happened is you went from a life where you were you you had a very narrow professional focus, and then you brought balance. You had you had a lot of blessings in your life, whether they be because of because of the things you worked for and you earned, or the good fortune you had by having good parents and friends in your life. But you weren't you weren't you weren't seeing those things, and now you see them all. And as a result of seeing all those things. You're grateful and appreciative and therefore can't suffer either. So all of these different elements of being a more emotionally healthy were available to you. Now, of course, that then changed your, changes your mindset. And when your mindset changes, because so much of our brain is filtering out everything that's, you know, 99% of what is available to us gets filtered out because our brain has a very narrow capacity to be conscious, right? Now, all of a sudden, when that mindset changes, you know, all kinds of new opportunities are now available to you that had been there, but you didn't see before. So talk to us about that, how now not only are you appreciative and grateful, not just about your journey, but all of the things in your life that you hadn't been appreciative and, and grateful about before, but how that's now opened you up to all kinds of new opportunities that you can now uh, tap into and be a happier and more grateful person and serve at a much higher level than you were able to before. Yeah, as you were speaking, I thought about I really always loved to play the piano. And for some reason, I stopped because I was focusing on other stuff. Work was more important than playing the piano. Even on the weekends, I was so tired. I didn't want to play the piano. And since Lyme, I started to revisit those, those things I really enjoy doing. And why? I'm wasting my time and not doing those things. And the first time I played the piano after my Lyme journey, I cried. I was like, why was I leaving that behind? It's something I love so much. And now I play constantly. I never, I never played that much in my life. And I even made an Instagram account with some piano videos. And I, I stopped feeling scared about people's judgment, about the things I do. I, I do what I want to do, what I like doing. 
it doesn't matter what people will think. If it makes me happy, that the, that's the only thing that matters. So I live a, a more fulfilling life. And other thing that, that changed is that I decided to help other people. Even if they don't have Lime, I, I do have a Lime account, but it's not, I don't talk about Lime. I talk about this transformation because you don't have to get Lime to, to get to this point. And if I knew what I know now, I could have prevented a lot of suffering. So this is a really beautiful thing that happened for me. The, the opportunity to be that voice that helps, that, that gives information, that spread awareness, and that I, when I decided to make the, the Lime account, I, I thought if I help one person to avoid all the suffering and sh share some light, it will be worth it. And I created a, a really nice community there and made friends in the Lime community. I think we all did. And so it's it's really beautiful. And I think I started dreaming again and I want to travel again. I want to, I, I, I'm not just like, I need to work, 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 work. And then I will see what I do with my life. My life is now. It's not in the future. My life is now. So I made plans to, to do things I want to do. I even talked about, I don't know the right word, when you jump off the plane and go skydiving. Thank you. Skydiving, which is something that I never thought about doing. I was really scared, but why not? You know, I mean, let's enjoy life. Let's well, I can give, do I can the... give you a lot of reasons why you shouldn't do that, but I always tell you. Of course, but people yeah. always say it's the best feeling of your life. It's really nice. It's really beautiful. Like, okay, maybe. So it, it opened up a new window of things I can do, I want to do. And of course, I do have limitations. It's not, oh, everything is beautiful after Lyme. No, I do have limitations. I do have fears. There's a lot of things I still can do. But this journey told me that there are possibilities. Maybe I won't do the things I used to do in the same way, like my work. I don't work today as I used to work. My my practice changed and in some way it changed for the better. I am a better professional because of what happened to me. I know how to be a patient. So I take care of my patients with more empathy, more patience. And I lost my line of thought, my line brain. Well, let's, let, let's take it somewhere else because all, all of what you're saying is really beautiful. Uh, but let's let's talk about the next level, right? We've talked about how you've changed physically. We've talked about how you've changed emotionally, and now let's talk about the spiritual piece, right? Because in the end, regardless of what your spiritual beliefs are, Matt and I are traditional Christians, but there are many people that have other types of spiritual beliefs that we've interviewed on this podcast, and we think it's important to have spiritual beliefs and 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 recognize that we are spiritual beings having having a human experience. And in the end, every spiritual being recognizes that we are supposed to serve. In fact, we are created to serve. And you began to touch on how you are serving differently, how you're serving your patients differently, how you're serving your community 
differently, how Lime became a, your community and, and, it's, and how important it is to have voices in Brazil and in countries where there is this official belief or policy that, that, that denies the existence of Lyme disease, right? But you have a, you're being very brave as a healthcare professional and, you're, and, you're, and, you're, and you've created a community and a, and a, and a, and a Lyme page uh, in Brazil, in Portuguese, which, uh, you know, unfortunately we, we, we can't help folks in that community because we don't speak that language. We don't have the same uh, capacities that you do, right? So talk about how, you know, how service has now become a premier element of your life and how how all of that has made your life richer as well. And you may have matured into that at some point, but certainly not at this early stage in your life. Yeah, uh, I think when Lyme first happened in my life, I was sure I had something really important to learn and that I had a mission going forward. It was since the very beginning, it was like, I have something important is happening with this thing that is happening to me. And I, I take this now as, as, as a mission, like it didn't happen by chance. Nothing happens by chance. Everything happens for a reason. So I try to do my best to spread awareness in my my friends, my family, and but opening opening to the internet, it, I was really scared at first because we do have a lot of a, a lot of to toxic behavior online, and some patients. I already read not mine my account, but I already read comments saying that she was sharing her story to get attention and that's that's really mean they had no idea what we, what we go through and we are just telling our story because we are trying to prevent others to going through that and i i feel inside me that i was meant to do this you know it, it happened to me so i could help others help myself and be a better person and a better professional for it. So one of the things that I want to help you with, because this was something Matt and I only recently learned, um, was why in some cases people attack us uh, when we are on our passion projects and we're on our spiritual path. And all we're trying to do is help, yet there are some people out there that are, that are going to be attacking us. And one of the things we recently learned, of course, and we should have but didn't, is, uh, um, is that um, unfortunately, when people are in the throes of this disease, uh, they become very fragile emotionally. Uh, and when we're when we're in a fragile emotional place, we find ourselves in fight or flight, right? We're, we find we find the 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 sympathetic nervous presentation of our of our um, of our uh, nervous system as the primary presentation. And when we have that primary presentation, we can only fight, flee, freeze, faint. Or fawn. Those are the only five things that can happen when when we're spending so much time in that state. And there are some people that are, that are going to be triggered into that state when they're watching you share the successes that you've had because they right now are in a place where they can't see that themselves, right? But hopefully, uh, all of those people who are in that kind of pain will be able to understand as we show them grace that this is available to them as well. 
And even exactly. though they're in pain right now, and even though they're fighting right now, and even though they're being triggered by all of the blessings you're trying to share, that the time will come when that will be available to them. And then they can learn those lessons and pass it on to the next person. So yeah. we have to make sure that we show grace to everybody, even the people who are attacking us, because, yes. because it's really not about what we're doing. It's really about what state they're in and what mindset they have because of this terrible disease that's attacking them physically and emotionally. And I think once we understand that, it's easier for us to show them grace and it's easier for us to try to help them to see all we're trying to do is put uh, put models into the world that will hopefully shortcut their journey and everyone else's journey. So um, I want you to think about that the next time someone attacks you and, uh, and please call us because we're always happy to support you having been through that, you know, many times ourselves. And again, one of the, one of the blessings that I have about working with Matt is because, you know, I have been blessed not to be on the journey. When people are attacking us, Matt lets me take care of those things so that it doesn't become triggering for him. And oh, Rich, I got like 17 for you tonight to respond to. So we're good. you're good right. in that area. All right. <laughs> and uh, so Isabella, we're happy to help, you know, happy to help you. And again, being a part of now the Tick Bootcamp community, because you've been so kind and generous with your time, um, you know, we, we, we certainly want to be helpful to you in any way we can. Thank you so much. So let me let me ask you the final question because you, uh, you I, I want you to get back to your family um, and um, and it is a Friday night so I'm sure your boyfriend wants to spend some time with you today as well so uh, so let's let's go through the final question right and you know what that is uh, if God forbid your boyfriend came into the into the room right after the podcast and you're on your way out and you look over and you see a tick biting him what would you what would you help him to do so that you could help him to avoid going on a chronic Lyme disease journey? I would help him help him remove it correctly, not burn it, not put any substance in it, remove slowly in one single movement and not squeezing, not pushing, uh, pulling in one abrupt movement and antibiotics. At least three weeks of antibiotics. I would tell him specifically to go to my doctor, my Lyme doctor, he knows what he's doing and take antibiotics. And I already had that talk with people really close to me and they listened and they took the antibiotic and they are fine. Isabella, we can't thank you enough for taking so much time out of your, your schedule to uh, share your beautiful story with us. And uh, before we leave, we want to send love to the folks in Brazil. Thank you so much. Thank you for everyone listening and my DMs are always open. Thank you both for the opportunity. And uh, I, every opportunity I have to talk about my Lyme journey, I take it because it, it is important to spread awareness. I want people to know, even if you're in your lowest now, I was there, it, it can get better. Don't give up, keep fighting because there is a life after Lyme. 